from the former convent of the Church of the Good Shepherd overlooking the Farmer's Market and the park here in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we are welcoming filmmaker Carlos Hisian. Carlos was born and raised in New York City tri-state area, where he developed an affinity for both film and music. This led him to achieve his bachelor's degree in multimedia studies from CUNY Lehman College. Carlos's films have been recognized and well-received in multiple film festivals, including the Tunics Short Film Festival, Chicago Horror Film Festival, and the Dominican Film Festival. In addition, his short film, Kiko, is a recipient of the Inwood Film Festival Filmmaker Fund Awards from Inwood Artworks. He freelances in both production and post-production in film, television, and the music industry, and is often working alongside his fellow filmmaker and cousin, Alfonso Rodriguez. We're going to talk to him about his work behind the camera and so much more. But first, let me welcome you, Carlos, to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's great to see you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You betcha. So how you been? I've been good. You know, just staying busy. Just, uh, you know, getting ready for the next project. I'm like so excited that, you know, I just finished uh, up short film Kiko and it's in its finishing uh, stages. It's in its final touches, you know, doing the color pass and locking the music. And I'm excited to get back to writing and making the next thing. Well, man, oh man, um, we're excited for you, for Kiko. And uh, let's just jump in and talk about it then. Uh, so um, it's an emotional portrait of a young Latino boy navigating his youth in white suburb America. Where'd the story come from? Um, I mean, it came from a place of self-reflection, really. I mean, it's loosely based on my own life where, you know, I, I grew up uh, I grew up in Jersey, um, but I have a lot of family here in New York and, and Inwood, and uh, I would consider Inwood my home base. But um, actually, when I was really young, my, my mother moved the family out into New Jersey um, because my dad got mugged one day, and she was panicking, and she was like, we need to, like, get out of the city. Wow. So, you know, we all moved out there, and it definitely shaped who I've become. You know, I, I grew up out in, in Jersey, and it was a lot nicer. It's a different, like, area. The, the juxtaposition of, like, city living to suburbia is, like, so jarring, um, especially, like, when I was, like, very, very young, like, no – going from city to suburbia is like such a, a shift in culture. And, um, and so it's kind of like loosely based on that. And so, uh, it's also like when I was writing Kiko, um, I started reflecting a lot about like what I was going through growing up and like, uh, the feelings that I've like felt and, um, I've like realized looking back in my older age that like a lot of the things that I experienced in my youth were microaggressions. Like uh, I was treated very differently and cast aside almost as other. Um, and I didn't really realize why. And I was very much of a quiet kid. So I never really stood up for myself and like spoke out about like being treated differently. And so um, when I was writing this, this script, it was like kind of a form of catharsis and a way of exploring those feelings and um so yeah i wrote about this this kid that like got placed in an esl class even though he was a bilingual kid and <laughs> i mean that's that's what happened to me that happened to me in my youth and i didn't really realize it and my mother um she kind of signed off on it and 
she didn't realize either. I mean, she's first generation. Like she, she came from Dominican Republic, not really knowing much. And you know, if you know, teachers tell her, "Oh, hey, you know, your kid needs an extra class," she's just gonna say, "Yeah, sure, whatever, whatever he needs to give him the best life," you know. Uh. And so I don't think my mother realized that what was happening and like why. I was given this, these ESL classes. And then like, I, I revisited that with my mom like years later. I was like, hey, do you remember when I was in like ESL? Like, why was I put there? She was like, I don't know. I just thought that was the best thing for you. And like, uh, she was, I was like, you know, wasn't that, don't you think there was like anything weird about that? And she was like, yeah, I guess looking now, yeah. <laughs> but you You're know. like, why didn't she look about it then? <laughs> she just didn't realize, you know, she was, yeah. yeah, I mean, she wanted the best for me, but um, I mean, that's that's kind of where it came from, and so like Kigo also explores like uh, just like the tensions, like uh, just like the the unspoken like racial tensions of like what it is to be in a different um, environment like that. Wow. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I, I've read the screenplay for it, and, and I think it's gonna if it, if it if it plays like the screenplay, it should be pretty palpable. I think. Mm. Um, so didn't this film almost not get made? Yes, very much so. Like I, <laughs> it was because of the the, the whole pandemic. Like uh, me and Alfonso, I I showed Alfonso the script, and he was super excited about it. He was like, "Wow, this is a really powerful script." You know, I I want to make this with you, and so he actually like pushed me to do it. And this was like uh, late 2019, early 2020, and we were like, "Okay, we're gonna make it this year, 2020. It's gonna be our year." <laughs> And of course, you weren't the only ones. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thought that 2020 is our year. <laughs> 2020 said, oh, hell no. Right, right. Definitely. Oh, hell no. And so, you know, I just, you know, and we went through like the casting process and we kind of like stopped casting because that's when everything shut down. We're like, should we even like continue? We don't know if we're even going to shoot it this summer, whatever. Yeah. And so we just kind of like shut it down and um, just time passed by and we were like, I don't, I don't know if we're going to make it, whatever. And, um, Alfonso was the one that he was like, uh, hey, you know, why don't you, you know, apply for this grant, this Inwood grant? Um, I feel like the story would be great for that. And um, I was like, sure, why not give it a shot? It was a shot in the dark for me. And like, I was really surprised when I got it. I was like, wow, this is like, this is a gift from the universe. And um, I was like, now I definitely have to make it. Like, this is, <laughs> um, I have to present something. So I was like super excited and it gave me the motivation I needed to actually you know, get up and going again. And then like reinvigorated my spirit almost, you know, cause you know, getting shut down like through COVID, it was, it was very like harrowing for, for everyone, you know, in, in multiple ways. And for me, it was like more so creatively, you know, I didn't feel like writing. I didn't feel like doing anything. And, um, no, but that, that again, receiving that grant definitely like kind of put a fire under my ass and I was like, all right, let's, let's make some more film again. That's awesome. Well, I'm, it makes it all, I mean, first off, congratulations on getting the grant. Second off, congratulations on nearly finishing the film. Now, here we are, however, 18 months later-ish. And um, and then, you know, just hearing that it made a major difference, not only on your psychological outlook, of because you're the engine behind the film. And if the engine ain't working, the film ain't getting made. And so uh, you're the creative force behind it. Um, Alfonso is good too. Let's give the guy some credit, but, uh, um, uh, but, uh, we love Alfonso. Uh, but, uh, but seriously though, I, I, it warms my heart and I'm very happy for you. And I'm, again, we're very grateful, um, that, you know, that's, a, that's what we do and what artworks we, you know, like this podcast is all about putting people forward and like yourself and like 
we we believe in people and we believe in your story and we're excited to see what we could do with it, man. Thank you so much. You bet. You bet. So can you speak to the challenges you faced while making the film? Obviously you had the f- challenges trying to get the film going. So, but you actually had to make the film then. So can you talk a little bit about um, any kind of happy accidents or unexpected challenges happening when you got into production and actually doing it during COVID? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of tough. So we ended up, uh, a lot of the challenge were actually in pre-production, getting everything, putting all the pieces together is like always the hardest part. It's very much like, uh, I guess like planning a wedding almost. There's so many moving parts. Well, particularly with to, all the restrictions coming out with COVID too. It's like what, right. and, and venues being available and things like that. Absolutely. And so I think venues definitely was a really hard thing to, to kind of plan and, and figure out, uh, I had wanted a, a good chunk of the story. It takes place in a school. And so it was really tough to find like a school location. Um, and so I was like asking around a lot and I actually like uh, reached out to some schools like during in, in my actual hometown. And uh, it was just also so hard to get through the red tape and also like, you know, their worries about like, you know, COVID at the time. And um, yeah, it was just really tough. I was getting a lot of no's from a lot of places and so I ended up, uh, we ended up renting a, a, f- a photography studio and like making it look like a classroom. And we got like, we bought desks and a lot of like artwork and stuff and really try to like make it look like a classroom. So, um, so yeah, that's what we ended up doing. And it's like, sometimes you just got to do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Create your own world, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Good for you. That's awesome. Um, well, uh, representation in in all media matters, I feel. Yeah. And uh, you're looking back on your body of work, Kiko being the, the latest, um, one of your earliest was 10 Second Barrier, which you wrote um, that was in the inaugural Inwood Film Festival that Alfonso uh, directed. Right. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you create and share stories about um, and with underrepresentation, excuse me, and with underrepresented communities? Because um, it seems to be a real, real strong voice and focus of your work. Yeah, I mean, like some advice that I always get, like in terms of like writing for film, uh, people always say, write what you know, write what you know. And so, you know, I tend to like to write from my own experience in terms of like uh, uh, my own experiences with family, like family tensions and like... Uh, being disenfranchised and like being treated differently or seen as other. And so I kind of like draw from that. And like, I mean, at the same time, I like to write for fun. And sometimes I write like horror stories and like things that are a little bit more surreal and kind of weird and different. So, um, I don't know. I've always been kind of created creative since I was young. And so, um, yeah, I'm not sure where my creativity comes from or like my ideas, but, uh, when it comes to stuff like that, 10 second barrier, um, you know, it's a story uh, about a young uh, Dominican, um, young Dominican man, and he's uh, an athlete. He's uh, attempting to be in the Olympics, or he's trying to be a track runner. And so, um, yeah, that story uh, that deals with him and his relationship with his brother and his family, and um, I mean, that just like comes from. I guess my, <laughs> I have a crazy family. You know, I have like. <laughs> You know, I have, like, interesting cousins that are very, like, you know, eccentric and and, um, and they speak loudly and they speak uh, in a way that's, like, 
I draw all from that, you know? And so I think it's important for like writers and, and uh, filmmakers to like draw from people that they know mm -hmm. and kind of like write, not about them, but like draw inspiration from yeah. like people that they know and like, you know, uh, I guess I've always considered myself kind of an ob observant person. So like I always observe how people talk and their mannerisms and stuff. And I like to put that in my writing. I mean, you can, I guess call me a thief, but whatever. <laughs> all, all the best art stolen. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Well, um, I can't, like I said, 10 second barrier has played numerous times for us. And I think it's a great story. Um, and so we, we mentioned your, your cousin, Alfonso Rugas. Is he one of the eccentric ones? <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> he has his moments. <laughs> he has his moments. You know he's gonna watch this, right? Yeah, I know he's gonna watch it. <laughs> so I'm trying to like paint him in a nice light. <laughs> I'm sure it's not very trying very hard. Yeah. Um. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean I was gonna like go on a little bit more about like uh, I guess representation in film. Yeah, and stuff. please do. I didn't know how much you want to go into that. Sure. Um. No, I mean, have you, uh, last I saw was, uh, last film I saw was actually Encanto. Have you seen that film? I have not seen it yet. It's pretty good. Um, I don't know if you, if you like Lin-Manuel and like his, his work. I hate that guy. <laughs> no, said no one ever pretty much. No, I, I like Lin-Manuel very much. Yeah. It, um, I, no, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I, I, we did see Tick, Tick, Boom though. Oh, I haven't seen that. I need to, I need to check that out. Oh, go ahead. I won't spoil it for yeah. you. Um, no, no, it's funny that you're like, oh, I hate that guy because I, I'm, I'm actually, I kind of don't like that guy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's, the reason why I say that it's like because he grew up on Payson Avenue over here. He's kind of like everyone. I get like every other day, someone asks me, oh, why isn't Lay Manuel on your board? I go, well, because he's not. I mean, he's like <laughs> he's got he's making movies at Disney. He's, right. He's not time for us. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. Every, I'm sure everyone gets asked that question because he's a rich man. Um, yeah. But he lives in Inwood, obviously, or his parents still do, I guess. And uh, he lives in Washington Heights. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. So tell me. So for the record, I do not hate Lima Miranda. <laughs> Carlos does. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm not a fan of him. No, it's 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 cool that you talk about like um, talking about representation in the media and stuff. Yeah. And like, I'll, I I know there's like uh, a side of of people that don't really like him. And I want to say it's probably because of like how he represents the Latino community in film. And I'm kind of like torn on that idea. Yeah. And like, I love that there's more representation uh, with like people of color in film now, like um, seeing Encanto and like there's like Coco and there's like other films too with other like, you know, uh, communities. Like um, there are films like The Farewell and like Moonlight and all these like, films with like intersectionality and I feel like those stories are, are, are great and I love how there's representation for people of color now. Um, the thing I don't like about Lin-Manuel though, I feel like he uses uh, the Latino community as like a caricature. Like I feel like he, <laughs> he like uses Latino people as a puppet almost to kind of like just to sell tickets and it's like I feel like he does a disservice sometimes because it's like we're not always people that are dancing in bodegas and like every story is about like, you know, happy Latinos that are, you know, the moral of the story is about family. And it's like, that's great. But I often feel like sometimes there's like, it's lacking a bit of like truth and, and vulnerability 
in there, like being Latino, being a person of color, being a person of color in America, it's, it, there's an, it's a lot more complicated than just like family and singing songs and stuff. And so I feel like he does a disservice by not sharing like the vulnerable truths of what it is to be, you know, Latino or a person of color in this country. Um, maybe that's just like my own tastes, but, um, yeah, I, I feel like there's still stories that are, uh, that are yet to be shared that have way more potential of what it is to be like a person of color, uh, in, uh, in America. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to do with, with Kiko. Like I, I don't see stories about like microaggressions often. I don't see stories about like dysfunctional families and like what it is to struggle or, or like live in poverty or like, you know, the struggles of being a person of color in America. And it's like, I'm glad we're getting more representation, but there's there's still something missing, and um, I just feel like Lin Manuel could do better. And I think he's aware of that, but he doesn't like want to bring it up to the forefront because he probably knows that it doesn't sell tickets, and it's kind of unfortunate and sad. Um, but I don't know. I feel like until he makes the Latino Moonlight, I'm, <laughs> he's on my bad list. <laughs> but uh, that's that's just me. I um. I feel like there's so much more potential for like filmmakers of color to like share their stories because the, it's so unique. All of those stories are so unique and, and personal. And I feel like filmmakers need to get more personal. And like, I feel like a lot of filmmakers often try to make something of like, what do I think the audience wants to see rather than come from a place of what, where, what are, what are the things in myself or within my community or in my society that like that I should speak up about? What should I kind of like, what is the thing that is like itching you and like bothering you? What's the thing that we need to talk about that no one's talking about? What's the elephant in the room that no one's talking about? You know, and I feel like those those topics call for interesting stories and I feel like people miss that. I agree with you. Um, I have so many thoughts from what you unpacked there. And um, I'm going to work backwards for a second. Okay. I think people are afraid to do stories with teeth mm. because it's damaging to either them emotionally or they don't know how to tell a story truthfully. Right. I mean, that's just that's just the way. It's, it's the simplest way I'm going to put it. Or they don't. Or they or they don't have. Um, or they're worried about the blowback. I guess. Right. There's three things I kind of think. And it could be more, obviously. And everyone has their own reasons why. Um, Number, then going back further towards the Lynn Manuel conversations, that it's interesting that you pick on him for the truthfulness of his storytelling. That's the representation you had to deal with because most of the blowback that I've seen throughout our community in Northern Manhattan has been representation due to casting, mm. um, which was very much directed towards the In the Heights movie, um, saying there was not. I'll just leave it at that. Right, um, right. It was and, a, and, like a colorism issue. Correct. Like there there was a colorism issue, and then there was a, and there's a colorism issue within the Dominican community as well. Right. So there's that on top of that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. That, that and, speaks and, to the. And, and the speaks to, but but that speaks to the going back to what you're saying. If you're going back to the truthfulness of storytelling, 
it's complicated, and I'm going to defend him for a second because mm. that isn't part of the storytelling of the story of In the Heights. Mm. It's not part of that story, right? As as it as the narrative story, right? Playing devil's advocate, it could be. It's it's very much about the real story of the people who live in Washington Heights right. and Inwood. So that's you know what I mean. And so like exactly. you, 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 and yet it's. And then you go again. I'm I'm flipping back and forth because, and and going and also trying to actually parrot exactly everything I listened to you say is that you have big budget Disney money behind this and John Chu directing it, who did Crazy Rich Asians, and it's going to be as shiny and glossy as possible. Right. If you're looking for teeth, you're looking for grit. If you're looking for verisimilitude, um, you're not going to get it. You're going to get what. It will sell tickets on and, and subscriptions on Disney Plus. Right. Um, that's the truth. Yes, of course they want to make a good movie. I mean, let's not let's let's not go. I'm not saying they're total capitalists, and that and maybe you are, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but, I'm, but, but I'm saying, and I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth. But I'm saying, like, there is. Um, let's face it. You know, it's a cor- it's corporate. It's Disney's corporate, mm-hmm. and it's what it is. Um, but. Uh, in the Heights was never a Disney movie. It was a musical first. Right. Um, and so what I always thought, it's like, I heard nobody have any problem with the people acting in the Heights when it was off on Broadway. Not one person I ever read or, or, or talked to me about, and I, and I work in the theater industry, hmm. complained about representation in the Heights until it went to be uh, a movie. I mean, that's, and, that's another thing too. Like, I think uh, I never had the opportunity to go to watch in the Heights or even Hamilton on stage. Like yeah. that was, I feel like that's another thing. If he, I mean, obviously he caters to, you know, I feel like it's, it's like a classist issue too. Like he doesn't like make it accessible for the people of that community. And he's like using well, that's an the Latinidad point. of, of our culture, our people. And it's like, yes, this, I'm going to, you know, tell a story about these people, but this story isn't for those people. It's for a different class of people. And right. it's like, dude, how are you going to make a story about your culture and then not make that accessible to your own culture? It's like, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's, that's what I, what I think. I, and now that it's more accessible on, you know, streaming services and people of color are seeing that and they're like, Hey, why aren't I represented here? You know, being Dominican is like, there are all different shades of Dominicans, you know? Sure. And so, uh, like, what's the issue here? Like there's definitely, you know, it's definitely done in, intentionally. And I know he tried to backpedal and was like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do better next time. And it's like, will you? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> will you? And and truth be told, too, is that you look at his body of work, it isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things. He hasn't done a ton of work. He's, I mean, he's acted in the Mary Poppins thing and he's did, um, I mean, he has literally two musicals. He has Hamilton and he has In the Heights. That's it, right? Wasn't, was Tick, Tick, Boom... Tick, Tick, uh, Boom was Jonathan Larson. But was that a musical beforehand? It, before, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it, it was a stage mm. by Jonathan Larson mm. um, that he directed. And so he, so my point is that he hasn't done... Like, he, he does not have a huge body of work. But what he has done, I mean, Hamilton really blew him up. And, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and he's done, of course, like the, the Star Wars Cantina stuff for the J.J. Abrams movie and... Um, Force Weekends, I believe it was, and then he's done a few other things here and there, um, and you know, 
power to him. And I don't, I'm not trying to turn this podcast into his podcast, but it's yours. <laughs> uh, but um, it's just so interesting to me that you bring him up as a member of this community and you take exception to him and his work when he definitely claims this community as like the source of his inspiration. And I think that's, that's an interesting com- conversation about representation uh, that has kind of kind of comes full circle, I think. Hmm. Um, saying who who we it makes basic question of like who we are as a community, as a, as in a community of artists and community of filmmakers, um, and who and and the kind of work you want to do, which is obviously everyone's individualistic in their own pursuits and their own work and all that stuff, um, but. It's not telling the stories of the community, or or say or a version of truth of the community. Right. Interesting, right? I mean, it's 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 just it's just interesting. The fact of the matter is that there's there's more there are more stories to tell in a more maybe more truthful way. There definitely is. Yeah, I agree with that. And like, uh, granted, you're right. He doesn't have a large body of work, and I'm sure he's making a ton of stuff. Um, and maybe he will eventually make, you know, Latino Moonlight, something with a little bit more intersectionality and more truthfulness to the the experience because, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said before, it's like we're not always just happy dancing in bodegas. Like, that's not <laughs> us, <laughs> you know? Well, maybe after he watches this podcast, he'll change his mind about things with you, <laughs> with you Carlos. Maybe. Um, so, Carlos, what, what advice uh, can you give to um, – writers and filmmakers out there what, what, write what you know is a good one i think um uh, but but what 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 advice can you give can you give to people who are starting out and or who are having um difficulties in getting their early projects off the ground uh to get and, and to get noticed you know i'd say i guess try to do everything well Try, don't be afraid to ask for help is one. I was going to say do everything yourself, but that's... Which is exact opposite of <laughs> exact ask opposite, for help. But no, definitely ask for help. I think um, reaching out is like super important. I guess what I mean by like do things yourself or I guess don't be afraid to do things yourself. Like sometimes you have to, for someone that is like starting from absolute scratch, um, you know, to pick up the camera yourself and like learn sound and learn as much as you can on your own. Um while at the same time kind of asking your friends and family for help. Um, because I think people are, are willing to help you more than you realize. And I I've wish I took that advice for myself in my youth, uh, just asking more for help. Um, and also school isn't always that important. I learned a lot from actually just practicing it and doing film um, making a lot of mistakes and it's like, don't be afraid to make those mistakes and show people those mistakes. Cause I think a lot of times we tend to be like, you know, perfectionists and these kinds of people, they just don't want to like share their work to the world and they hold on to it and they hoard it. And it's like, how long are you going to hold on to this project before you share, you know, you know, become vulnerable and like share that thing, even if it's like not the best work, you know? Um, I think people are often just scared and they don't want to like share what they have to offer, even if it isn't always the best. And it's like, uh, just share it because just, just the act of sharing it is, um, you learn something from it. Like every single project that you make, how big or small you learn something from it and you take it to the next 
the next thing that you do. Um, so don't be afraid to like share, apply for things, apply for grants, apply for uh, whatever whatever it is. Even if you think you're unqualified, just just do it. <laughs> it's like the worst the worst that can happen is a no, and that's not the worst thing in the world. Like you can definitely move on from that. It's really great advice. And then I want to turn your focus now to your hometown here of Inwood. Um, do you think we should have a movie theater here in the neighborhood? 100%. Like, I don't want to travel so, so far <laughs> to go to a theater. Like, oh, man. Uh, we used to have, well, I wouldn't consider an Inwood, but there, were, there used to be a theater that I used to go to all the time on 181st Street. The Coliseum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I used to go there all the time in my youth. I feel like that was, like, the closest one to Inwood. Um, I could be wrong, but, yeah. I remember seeing the Titanic back in the 90s in that theater. Um, yeah, I think it was like eight or nine at the time. Um, I saw a bunch of films there, but it sucks that they tore, they tore that down. But uh, we definitely need a theater in, in Inwood. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, with the groundswell of filmmakers like yourself here, we can maybe earn one and have like a local place where people can see their local films and maybe bring back the Titanic or some classics <laughs> like that uh, at some point. But I, I feel like this neighborhood could use, you know, a, a cultural arts center slash film center to show off local projects. Cause otherwise we got to go to the closest movie theaters down at magic Johnston at 125th, right. right? Yeah. Definitely have to take the a go down the, all the way there. It's, it's a long way. Um, well, Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time to share your thoughts with us. And um, before we leave, so what? Are, what are you, So what's next for you? What's next? I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write more, and uh, I'm gonna write as honest as I can. And like, I actually wanna tackle uh, colorism uh, within our own community. Um, so often, I have this idea. I'm gonna like soft pitch it, or just kind of like get your, get your. Uh, I guess, take on it. But uh, there's like something within the Latino community called Mejora la Raza. And what that means is better the race that usually is like talked about uh, within a family when someone is dating um, maybe outside of the Latino community or something like that. Like oftentimes for myself, like I've dated white women and uh, for whatever reason, like my family sees that as some sort of like success and they kind of like put our relationship on a pedestal and it's like they with within the subtext they want to like better the race of latinos and it's like a colorism thing it's like oh yeah you got yourself a, a white woman and like your kids are gonna have better genes and it's like that's coming from my own family and it's like why are they feeling and thinking this way you know so i kind of want to like tackle that and that's that's like my next story idea i kind of want to write about that experience within the latino community and like why that happens and and just write honestly as i can that's awesome man. i think it's I, I love the soft pitch i think it's a great idea i think you should go for it thanks thanks yeah thank you <laughs> you bet well um Carlos, where can people go to find more of your work? Um, you can find my work. I put all my work under this name, Contact Light Studios. So you can find my, all my films are on vimeo.com backslash Contact Light Studios. Um, I also have an Instagram, Contact Light Studios. You can find me there as well. Um, yeah, that's where you can find my work. Awesome. 
listeners, you have your instructions, and we'll put uh, that in the description of this episode as well for you to find, okay? Well, again, thanks, Carlos, for joining me on this Artist Spotlight edition of Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we call here Upstate Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Many thanks to the Church of Good Shepherd here at NYC, up in Inwood, NYC, for hosting us, and to HighSites.com for local uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks. Oh, there.